Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Eve Podcast here on Big TV Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine, a great new you, and we're coming to you on Monday, one day after the fantastic NFL starting debut of Daniel Jones as the Giants' starting quarterback. Tremendous come-from-behind 32-31 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll have Mark Schofield on a little bit later to discuss that. Also on today's show, we will have clips from Giants coach Pat Shermer during his Monday afternoon press conference or conference call with New York Media as we continue to look at the Giants' victory over the Buccaneers and what it means for the franchise going forward. To be honest, this is a a really great day for New York Giants fans. It's a great day for the franchise. Obviously, it's not a Super Bowl winning celebration kind of day, but this is really the best day that the franchise has had. It's the best Monday that the franchise has had, that the fan base has had in a very, very long time. I've been saying since Sunday evening And this is something that Mark Schofield and I will talk about in the interview that we recorded that you'll hear uh, very shortly. But I've been saying that the best thing that Daniel Jones did wasn't a specific pass. It wasn't running for two touchdowns. It wasn't, you know, throwing two touchdowns. It wasn't necessarily winning a football game. What, What it really was, the best thing that Daniel Jones did, the biggest and most important thing that Daniel Jones did was he restored hope to a franchise, he restored hope to a fan base, he restored hope to a team that simply hasn't had a lot to feel good about in recent years. There were a lot of questions, obviously, about the selection of Jones sixth overall by the Giants. There was a lot of criticism of Dave Gettleman, a lot of snickering that he could have gotten Jones later, that maybe he shouldn't have drafted Jones at all, that he should have taken Dwayne Haskins, that he should have waited a year, that maybe he should have drafted Sam Darnold the year before. All all of that is out the window now. It's one game, but we see the tantalizing possibilities of what could be to come with Daniel Jones. We see the skill set, we see the legs, we see the arm, we see the poise, we see the ability to lead, you know, a come-from-behind game-winning drive, something that made Eli Manning special during the best parts of his career. And, you know, the Giants for a long time now, they've made the playoffs once since winning the 2011 Super Bowl for a long time, they've seemed like a, a, a franchise without hope. They've changed coaches. They've changed general managers. They've rebuilt the roster a few times. And and the one thing that was missing was hope. And I think today, Giants fans can feel good because we have hope, or Giants fans have hope that that the franchise will be, you know, moving forward, that there are brighter days to come, that maybe the 2019 season won't be a complete washout, that the future looks bright. You know, in addition to Jones, a lot of young players, a lot of really had impacts on the victory on Sunday. DeAndre Baker, the cornerback who struggled mightily 
the first couple of weeks made some good plays. Dexter Lawrence had some impact plays, including a blocked extra point and his first career sack. Wide receiver Darius Slayton made some big catches, including a 46-yarder that set up a touchdown in his first NFL action. A lot of O'Shane Zimenez had had a sack and made a couple of plays. Lots of young players contributing. Ryan Connolly, another one who had a big day, filling in as the defensive signal caller once Alec Ogletree went down with an injury. That's something that I think you're going to see more and more of in the future. I think that uh, Connolly, you know, had an excellent game. So just a lot to feel good about as as a fan of the New York Giants after the uh, the performance on Sunday. So, and as I said, I think hope is a great thing. Mark Schofield and I will talk some about that as well. And I think that you know, who knows what's going to happen the rest of the regular season. But now we have seen, you know, that there should be reason for optimism with Jones, with this young core of players that, that Dave Gettleman has put together. And and I'm not going to say that, you know, Gettleman has absolutely been proven right about Daniel Jones, but through every everything that we've seen in the preseason, everything we saw on Sunday indicates that that in the end, Gettleman, you know, despite all the criticism he took for drafting Jones earlier than a lot of people would have or thought he should have, Gettleman in the end might be proven right here. I mean, in the you know, the, the reality of the matter is if you are convinced that a guy is your franchise quarterback. There's really no price that's too high. And if Jones turns out to be, you know, what all indications to this point are you know, that uh, that he could be, if he turns out to be that great franchise quarterback in the end, then no one's going to care how the Giants got him. They're just going to be happy that they have him. So Let's get to an interview at a, at this point that I did with Mark Schofield as we break down a little bit more about Jones' performance on Sunday. All right, I'm joined now by quarterback analyst Mark Schofield. Mark, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Ed. I'm doing well. A uh, tasty breakfast of crow this morning, but we're, we're getting <laughs> well, into it here on Monday, and so it's good to be with you, and I know Giants fans are excited about what they saw down in Tampa Bay yesterday. That, of course, your 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 reference to breakfast of crow, of course, is because I know that you were, were one who, who wasn't as high on Daniel Jones, you know, coming up, coming into the draft as some in the NFL seem to be but I wasn't going to go there Mark because you already did that in the preseason and you know but you've done it to yourself again yeah I mean look I, I think it's only fair to be open and honest and transparent about things and you know when it came to sort of evaluating Jones where I came down on it was that the landed fit you know the landed spot the fit the scheme fit the coaching were going to be critical to his development and I think Pat Shermer and company have done a fantastic job with him we saw that how he's using the preseason we saw it again against Tampa Bay but at the same time look this kid has done some things you know now in his first NFL start and over the course of his time as a professional that I think in a sense of shut some people up and you know I was 
you know, like you said, or wasn't a huge fan of his coming out, but I saw paths where it could be successful if they, you know, got him into the right offense, if they allowed him to, you know, do some of the quick game concepts that I thought he was very good at at Duke, if they let him use his athleticism, there would be, there was a certain path for him to be successful in the National Football League. I wasn't sure if it would happen in New York, but it seems at least through one NFL, NFL start, they're on their way. Obviously, you know, we're not fitting him for for a gold Hall of Fame jacket just right. yet. You know, it, it's one game, but I have to ask, you're sitting there watching the game, you know, Sunday evening. What are you thinking as you watch that unfold and watch Jones play? A lot of it is, you know, from the, the dual track method that I do when I think about this game and write about this game and study this game. What are they doing schematically to help him? And what is he doing in terms of that offense? And what is he doing beyond the structure of the offense? So those are the things that I'm really watching. And when you're seeing the Giants, uh, when I charted it, I think it was 14 times they threw on first down, which I think is a very smart thing to do. They're open in play. They come out 12 personnel, two tight ends, and they throw out of that against the base defense. Those are some of the things that, you know, that they're doing as an offensive coaching staff to put him in a position to be successful, getting them favorable matchups, throwing against base defenses, throwing on running downs. Those are the things you can do to get your quarterback some favorable defenses to throw against some opportunities to be successful. But from Jones's perspective, look, his ability to throw from crowded pockets, his ability to step up in the face of pressure, his ability to extend, those are things that you can't really diagram from an X's and O's standpoint. You can't call, you know, I slot right, quarterback escape left in the pocket. It just has to happen. And he was able to create and extend better than I thought he was going to be able to do. And I thought that was one of his strengths, his athleticism coming out of Duke. And when you have the ability to sort of create outside of the structure of the play and to keep your eyes downfield, no play is over until the whistle is blown. It, it's true. You know, some plays as a quarterback, they end because you drop your eyes or you see ghosts in the pocket or you throw it away before you need to. Now, it wasn't the case for Jones yesterday. So that was sort of the dual track I was watching this game. How are they going to do things schematically? What was he going to do outside of the structure? And I think both from a coaching standpoint and the schematic standpoint, as well as what he was able to do, both tests were passed with flying colors. I think we understood you know, that he had more mobility than Eli Manning, that, that he ran a, a really fast 40-yard dash for a quarterback. I think he ran right by a couple of Tampa Bay defenders on, on scrambles. On, on Sunday, but I think for me, you know, it's not just escaping pressure. It was how he handled pressure and completing passes and, and, and you know, making positive plays. If I'm not mistaken, I think pro football focus had him for mm. a perfect passer rating against pressure, which, which it's just extraordinary. It, it is extraordinary. And building off of that, they also pointed out the fact that out of, it, I think, their entire history over that span of PFF's history, 2007 to 2019, there are 1,674 instances of a quarterback attempted at least 12 pressured pass attempts in a game. He is the first to record a perfect passer rating. Now, that's not a small sample size issue. That's a pretty big sample size. And he's the one. He's it. He's the list. That's incredible to think about. And... There are some ball security issues to clean up. 
there are some things that maybe now when we get a chance, you know, Monday or Tuesday, whenever the, the all 22 drops, there might be instances where we can say, okay, on this play, he made a fantastic throw under pressure, but he didn't need to because this route was coming open. He either didn't see it or he didn't make the decision to throw quickly enough. And so the pressure was in part due to his mistake. We don't know that for sure. That's a possibility. But even if it is, again, perfect against pressure is is literally unheard of from the quarterback position with Jones having it happen, you know, the first doing it for the first time, you know, in PFF's history, which is, you know, over a decade. And so that's incredible for a young quarterback. Traditionally, we think with young quarterbacks, you want to pressure them. You want to speed up their thought process because the game's too fast for them to begin with. And if you can make it faster, it's going to be even that much tougher for them to be successful. That was not the case with Jones on Sunday in Tampa Bay. Yeah, obviously, the game wasn't perfect for Jones. You know, we saw, I do think you're probably right, we saw a couple of the sacks that he took might have been situations where he got unsure in the pocket and, and just sort of sort of held the ball too long. And I think there was one third and 15 where he was very fortunate that, that he didn't get intercepted because I think he threw a, a pass right into double coverage. But for an NFL debut, I mean, I don't think you could have. I don't think you could have asked for anything more than what Jones gave the Giants. No, absolutely not. And I think to sort of put the game into the bigger realm of context around it, you have the defense play a little bit better. You know, when you see a quarterback be successful and create, escape, extend, it helps the offense. It helps the offensive line. When you see the offense now going down the field, putting points up on the board, having success on that side of the ball. It translates and it feeds into the defense and what they're doing. When as a team, you know, you feel like you don't need to be perfect to win because you're going to get that little boost from the, the quarterback position. It all feeds on itself. And I think that's sort of the bigger thing to take away from this win down in Tampa Bay. Because let's be honest, look, you can say what you want about Tampa Bay. You can say what you want about some of the teams in this league. Road games are tough to win in the National Football League. You know, it's it's not a gimme. Doesn't matter who you play, except maybe Miami for the Patriots last week. But for the most part, road games are tough to win, and to get a road game victory in this fashion is a huge boost for a team that now gets two games at home. Obviously, Washington coming to town next week. That's going to be a big one. Minnesota coming to town in two weeks. That's going to be a big one. But you can see a situation where this team is now suddenly three and two, and then who's looming? But Bill Belichick and company, a team that hasn't given up a defensive touchdown yet. You know, but this is going to be a fascinating stretch to watch. But I think big picture, you could not have asked for more from, from what Jones brought to this team, from the execution on structure, from the execution off structure, from the leadership. You know, we heard some of the comments about how he's firing guys up, even cursed, which I guess is new for him. It caught some people by surprise, but again, helped give a little boost. I, don't know, I think he's got to go to, I think he's got to go to confession, Mark. I think he might. I think he might. I'll, I'll be next to him with the next pew, you know, waiting for my turn to confess about my sins about Daniel Jones's evaluation. But look, the kid played fantastic. And if you're a Giants fan, you know, I read on Twitter, somebody tweeted out after that game, the gentleman should take to the podium dressed like Cam Newton does sometimes and just literally take his victory lap in front of the media because look, we saw it, we all read it, some of us wrote it ourselves, you know, critical of the pick, but on one Sunday afternoon in Tampa Bay, it seems like it was, surely was the right decision for this franchise in their future. 
Oh, I'm sure Gettleman feels really good today. I actually went after the game and I found uh, one of the clips. Have you ever seen the movie The Replacements? I have many I, times. I went and I found the clip of the owner after the uh, the, the game winning touchdown pass. Yep. Of of the owner in the press box going, I knew it, I knew yep. it all along. Right. And, and, and and I was thinking about Gettleman as I was as I was doing that, but that that had to be obviously it's one game, but he has to feel really good today. He has to, and you know the quarterback that he drafted, you know, seemed like another duck on the pond. He seemed calm and collected above the water. Maybe he was paddling like hell below it. You know, another line from that movie, but he seemed calm in the pocket. He seemed decisive at times. He seemed like he was executing the offense extremely well. And so to see that as Gettleman, you have to be extremely pleased with the thought process, the evaluation process that led you to this point. You know, because again, we all heard the noise on the outside saying this was the wrong pick. This was the wrong pick. We all, you know, sort of criticized how they approached the first round and then, you know, taken you know, defensive lineman when they did at 17, Dexter Lawrence, people wondered about that one as well. But it certainly seemed like they got it right yesterday with how Jones played. Sure. You know, Mark, the last thing that I will, the last topic I'll broach with you here is this. You know, obviously the Giants won a football game yesterday, which is important. You know, that's the bottom line in, in the business. Obviously, Pat Shermer tried to make the case last week that that by going to Jones, he wasn't giving up on 2019, that he thought it was the right time to make this move, basically because he thought there were things that Jones could do that, that Eli Manning couldn't do. You know, not that Eli Manning was responsible for the first two Giants losses, because I've made that case he wasn't, you know, and that, but that's sort of, you know, water under the bridge at this point. I thought the biggest thing Daniel Jones did for the New York Giants yesterday, a franchise that's gone to the playoffs one time in the last seven years, that you know, a fan base that's watched way too much bad football in in recent years and gone through coaching changes and Odell Beckham scenarios and and all of that. I thought the biggest thing Daniel Jones did for the New York Giants on Sunday was restore some hope to the franchise. I think that's exactly right, Ed. And then there, there's no more, I'd argue that there's almost no more powerful human emotion than hope. I mean, it's not just a football thing. It's a life thing. And that's part of the reason why the NFL, and the NFL draft in particular, is such a big event because it's that one, it's one of many moments, but on the football calendar, where you can have hope as a franchise, where you can see the team that you root for, the team that you've lived for, the team that you've spent so much time and energy reading about, covering, you know, watching, whatever, you can see that hope on a draft pick as he walks across the stage. You can see, you can put that hope again on that player's shoulders, and you can start to believe on one night in late April, or early May, that this will be the guy, this will be the player, this will be the group of players that will restore this franchise, this team that I've invested so much time and energy in over the years, back to relevance, back to the playoffs, back to the promised land. And Daniel Jones had that on his shoulders and he had heavy expectations on his shoulders because of everything else that was swirling around the decision to draft him and to see him go into Tampa Bay and win 
and deliver in this fashion and to play the way he did and to be perfect against pressure. As a Giants fan, you should be, you are well within your right to wake up this morning to, to believe again and to have that hope again. And I think it's exactly right, Ed. He gave Giants fans that hope again. There's now a, you can look at this franchise and say, maybe we won't make the playoffs this year. Maybe we ultimately won't be competitive this year. Maybe he'll have his struggles and he will have his struggles. But we have hope again. And that more than anything else is the most powerful thing you can have, not just as a football fan, but as a human. All right, Mark, appreciate your time. As always, I know that you uh, you have a lot of other things going on today, so appreciate your spending a few minutes with us. Why don't you just remind the folks uh, of all the different places where they can find your work before we let you go. Well, Ed, thanks as always for having me on. I always love chatting with you, whether it's on podcasts or even just you know when we send messages back and forth during the week. Uh, best way to find me is on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Uh, you can find me at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, uh, Matt Wadlin's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and a couple of the ASB Nation websites, Pat's Pulpit, where I've got the, the SCO Show, which, is, again, it's all Patriots, uh, Bleeding Green Nation, where I've got the QB SCO Show, which is mostly Eagles and quarterbacks, and, of course, on the pages of Big Blue View, where I'll be breaking Daniel Jones down this week, I'm sure. All right. Thank you, Mark. We're looking forward to that. And, as always, uh, you know we'll, we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Ed. Have a blast covering this with you, man. All right, thanks very much to Mark Schofield for joining us and and discussing Daniel Jones. And, you know, we we finished up talking to Mark about hope and optimism and and the future and how the franchise got uplifted by by Jones on Sunday. And, you know, you you just can't always have nice things. Everything can't be sunshine and roses. And that leads us to the news that we got uh, today that, that star running back Saquon Barkley is likely to miss several weeks now with a high ankle sprain. That's re- really unfortunate for the Giants, unfortunate for Barkley, obviously. Barkley is arguably, probably, at least in my mind, you know, the best running back in the game, brings so much more to the Giants than just running ability, pass-catching ability, leadership, so many things. And his absence changes the Giants' offense so much. Obviously, the Giants got by, you know, yesterday winning a game with Barkley sidelined for uh, more than uh, for more than a half. Daniel Jones was fantastic, but the reality of it is that over the next several weeks, this is going to make Jones' job much more difficult. It's going to put him in situations where opposing defenses really don't respect the Giants' running game all that much. And, you know, they're going to to pin their ears back and go after Daniel Jones. That's going to make... uh, make the rookie quarterback's life that much more difficult. We'll have to see if Wayne Gallman, you know, can step up and, and be productive. If the Giants can uh, can block the running game well enough to uh, to make teams respect the idea that the Giants can still run the football without Barkley. Very, very unfortunate. Uh, you know, a high ankle sprains We've seen in past years with the Giants, we've seen Odell Beckham suffer a high ankle sprain. We've seen Olivier Vernon suffer a high ankle sprain. In both cases, you know, those were injuries that took you know, a month or more to recover from. Barkley says uh, that he had a similar injury at Penn State, missed two games. 
but I it could very well miss more than that. We've seen guys miss six weeks with these. We've seen even when guys come back from these, we've seen that they can linger. So we'll just have to cross our fingers, hope that Barkley's back as, as soon as possible, and that when he does come back, that he is the player that we all know. You know, these these kinds of injuries can, can really impact a player's performance over the course of an entire season. All right, Giants fans, I promised you at least one clip from head coach Pat Shermer. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. We haven't done that yet today, and then we will come back, and what you will hear after the break is uh, is a clip from Pat Shermer uh, in his press conference or conference call with uh, with New York media on Monday afternoon. Well, we're just going to have to see first off. You know, we we certainly believe in Wayne Gallman and, you know, we certainly believe that, you know, he'll be able to step in and, you know, do his very best. And, and, and you know, we'll just have to see at some point there, that we may have to add a running back behind him. Um, as we go forward here, but you know, we'll—it's like any injury. It's very unfortunate to have Saquon out of the lineup. We all know what he brings to the team, uh, but it's—it's going to fall on all of us to to move forward and and do what we can to win games. Hey, hey, Aaron, Paul Schwartz, how are you? Good, Paul. Um, good. Um, is there um, anything you could pick, you put your finger on that? was different in the first half to the second half as far as defensively uh, things switching up. I mean, guys said they just were sick and tired of playing that kind of defense, but obviously it's more than just that. Well, I can tell you the calls weren't much different. You know, it's, you know, I just, I, I, I do think sometimes it's just a mindset. You know, we, you know, they scored uh, six, six possessions. They, they had the ball six times and scored six times, you know, and then they came out in the second half. And you know we, you know we had to, and we had some backups in there playing, but they came out in the second half, and I thought we uh, were more disruptive. Uh, you know we created an interception. Unfortunately, we turned it right back, but we created an interception. Um, and ultimately, you know they only scored three points. We still gave up big plays, but they only scored three points in the second half. And. You know, I think we're, we're always talking about situational football, and, and this was a game where defensively, you know, I guess it would be their offense, but defensively they were one for five in the red zone where we were much better. And, you know, I think that's that's where it comes to. Um, so even in the midst of playing through the big plays that they made against us when, you know, the rubber sort of hits the road and they were in the scoring zone, uh, we did a better job of getting them stopped. I'm just kind of wondering in that in that regard how much you believe that uh, you know a change like this can sort of rejuvenate the group or sort of you know give them a jolt. I wonder how much you believe in that in general. That one one move like that can help the whole. Well, I think I think certainly there are things that become catalysts or whatever. Um, you know, early in the game, you know, lost in some of this. You know, was you know we ended up blocking a field goal early in the game, so you don't know how that affects the last field goal, you know. And so, you you never know. I mean, um, you know, a guy, a guy that goes in and plays well gives gives you know might give guys confidence. You know, I, I think everything we do is connected. 
and um, you know there was there was great excitement on our sideline like there always is, and we just found a way to to make enough plays to win the game. All right, Giants fans, that's the end of what was a packed show for you today. We hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check out the Chris and Joe show, as well as the work that I do here on the Valentine's Views podcast. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.